You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 185. Today, I'm sitting down with physical therapist and business owner Cameron Paulson. We're talking all about pivotal career moments. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for pushing play on another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson. And if this is the first time you're here hanging out with me, thank you so much. Welcome. I'm super pumped that you're here. I wanted to thank you all in advance for your patience and consideration with the audio quality in this particular episode, which I will share a little bit about why and I'll also do my best to keep it short because the episode I have on tap for you today with Cameron Pulse, physical therapist and strength and conditioning coach is fire and I want to make sure you get that as soon as possible. I just wanted, it's an important thing I wanted to note. There's two things that I want to bring up is truly the people who are incredibly successful in their business one of the things that really separates them in addition to deciding and continuing to decide is number two, staying in integrity with their word. Honestly, really look and ask yourself, are you staying committed, disciplined, and in integrity to your word, to doing what it is that you say that you're going to do without the expense of at all costs. And this is a nuanced conversation because I'm not saying go to the gym with the flu because you said you were going to go to the gym for the flu. It's your job to really understand what is resistance and what requires you to just stay, stay committed to yourself and what needs rest. So for me, one of the things I'm doubling down on is the commitment to getting the podcast out. And my podcast manager, he really helped me see that and remember that because I was going to push the episode because I just had a lot on my plate. And he said, you're committed to this. This is what we can do. And he gave me an alternative. So thank you for that, Chris. And number two for me What I'm also, in addition to my podcast, I'm also getting really committed and specific in prioritizing my time when my children are back at school. And for the longest time, I keep putting off the things that are going to fulfill my mental and physical health, and I'm no longer available for that. I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I'm no longer available for that. So this is an example of me staying true and committed to my word with potentially the audio for this intro being just a little under, but I'm willing to put that on the line in order to stay true to what it is I'm committed to. And so for that, I will also invite you today to do the same. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. It's powerful and from an incredible 
open-hearted scientist. Let's go. What's up, Cameron? How are you today? I am awesome, and that's sincere. <laughs> I love that. I'm super pumped for today. This is just going to be such a great show. So for those of you who are listening and haven't had the pleasure of meeting Cameron, I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there. Yeah, so I'm Cameron Pulse. I'm a physical therapist, and I just started my own clinic uh, online and in-person uh, business called Performance Therapy Institute. Um, yeah, so um, I do physical therapy as well as uh, some personal training. Uh, and so, and it's, I've only been going since about January, 2022. Um, in terms of who I serve for the most part, I worked in like outpatient uh, physical therapy for about 10 years. Uh, and more recently, the, the one of the reasons I decided to start this business was, uh, you know, a, a, a few different reasons. Uh, I never really wanted to be a business owner, uh, but I was, had seen, I realized I was running into limitations in the medical system in general with insurance and whatnot. And I still just had no really wish to start my own business. Um, so actually, I always wanted to sort of serve this role from people ending physical therapy. And then they, they still this gap of them trying to get back to what it is they want to do, whether it be hiking or lifting, running or just going for walks, whatever that may be. And it just, it just felt like in the environment of just physical therapy in network where I'm at, it just wasn't, I couldn't really serve them. Um, I didn't really know what to do about it, to be honest. I was already working a lot and, um, and actually I decided that after getting some feedback from a, a friend of mine that I'm really close with and I trust, and he was like, yo, you just need to get better at like dumbing things down for people to start with, to get them to like buy in, to keep working with you. Um, and I was like, oh, I think I'm pretty good at that. He's like, no, you can get better at dumbing it down even more. And I was like, okay, dude, like, I trust you. Like you're, you know, you're given to me. So I'm going to go ahead and look into that. Uh, so actually I was like, I don't really know where to start with that. I saw you were on a podcast, Beverly with Encore at that point, Fractal Biomechanics. Um, I had never heard of you before that. To be honest, I didn't even listen to the podcast. I just saw you're on it. And I know everyone else he talks to is the only people that are like highly respected in the field. So I was like, all right, like you were doing a free webinar at that point. And I was like, all right, like I'm doing this still with not the no intentions of starting a business. Um, did one of the workbooks and whatnot that, you know, we started the thing off with. Uh, that was like, how do you sort of see your life? And that wasn't the first time I had sat down for a couple of hours and really thought about what I was doing with my life and what I was, and I knew that there was this problem I needed to solve and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite literally like doing that workbook that you gave out for a first assignment T PT profit formula. I was like, I'm going to start my own business. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. That is truly so amazing. You know, I love that feedback, honestly, because I think as business owners and content creators, and this is true, whether if you're listening to this and you're, you know, a coach, a physical therapist, and you create this these workbooks or you create this exercise or program and you have the intention of this is going to change someone's life. And then you just never know you put it out yeah. into the world and you're like, well, did I change someone's yeah. life? Sure. hope So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you did. You, you flipped, you flipped it, you flipped it upside down in a, in a good way, like in a good way in in a, in a situation and only that, but the conversations we had, you know, even via DM once we'd started working together of, um, it was, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely, it's, it's changed the way I've approached a lot of things where if I feel that like resistance versus something that's, you know, uncomfortable. Um, but that was, yeah, that was a big, I remember sitting there doing that and then going to my wife after I finished that workbook and I'm like, I think I'm going to start a business. Like, how do you feel? And I asked her like a dozen times. And I was like, you sure, you sure, you sure, you sure. <laughs> All it would have taken was her to say no once. And then like, this would have never happened. It's amazing. Um, yeah. It's amazing. So that's how I decided. I thought that there was this gap. I didn't know how to get into it. And here we are. And here we are. Starting your own business, which is amazing. And you've done some amazing, incredible things like with your opening and with your clinic. Mm -hmm. Like it's just really really powerful and amazing to see and be a part of. So thank you for that. And I'm Definitely. curious, one of the things you said, and I'd love for you to go a little deeper on is mm -hmm. that you had noticed that there were limitations in the way that you were serving and caring for people. So mm -hmm. what are some of the common things that you were seeing that you felt like needs to be changed? There's sort of three big things. Let's see if I, I'll start talking about one and then I'll probably forget what the other two were, but <laughs> um, or think that there's five, it'll be one of the two. So, uh, so we'll, we'll st I'll start, I'll start going a little deeper into it. So one of the first things is, I, and to be honest, I thought that there was three things to start with. And now that I've gone, now that I've started this business, I realize there's many more things that were actually limiting me from showing up for people, um, that I just sort of I didn't think that there was another option. And for some people there, there is not another option, but you start anyway, since starting this business, I realized there's been more obstacles than I even thought there were. Once you start to like, once you peel back what you thought the original obstacles were, and then you realize there's more, there just continues to be more things for you to be able, maybe not for me to show up for people, but for other people to show up for themselves. And then, and, and or even to be able to, work with me. Like there might just be reasons why they can't. Um, so good. That's such a powerful point. And honestly, I just said this on a podcast the other day, which is that we take for granted what comes so easy to us. Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, this is so easy. Everyone must know that when they don't really. No, no, it's, uh, and that's something that's taken me a long time to understand. Um, but you definitely helped me with like big time. But it's, so one of the, the first things that, that I noticed was, um, is so with, with the in-network model, or, or really just where I was working in in-network and health insurance. Um, so, I mean, I, no one really wants to listen to a podcast about the difference between in-network and out-of-network health insurance, but 
usually in network, like the <laughs> PT company or whatever has a contract with the health insurance. So like, that's usually when you go to, you know, your doctor's office or PT and you have a copay and it's 20 bucks or 40 bucks, or it's lately it's become even more than that. Um, so anyway, the, it is the PT company, once that contracts sort of signed, like we don't have any way to negotiate that contract, especially as a small private practice. So for instance, if the health insurance company at the end of the year goes, hey, we're going to cut your uh, reimbursement rates by five to 10%, you know, or more, then you sort of go, okay. Like if you Anthem Blue Cross, no, like if Anthem, what are we going to do about it? Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield is going to come and go, oh, we're cutting everyone in the area by five to 10%. Or we're going to make some other rule. Like there's, there's not like a, there's like, there is no negotiation power. Like, what are you going to do about it? You know, you're going to what, take them to court? Like where we don't even have like a profit margin at that point. So we've just like already been getting lower rates anyway. But they're still collecting payments. So they've just increased their profit oh, margin. Oh yeah. yeah. They've increased oh. their premiums that they're collecting from the patients. They're decreasing the amount that they're going to pay out. They're increasing the amount of their deductibles and their co-pays and their co-insurance. So essentially without changing their business model at all, they have, they are collecting more money and from, from patients, they're collecting more money in premiums and they're paying less out. So, I mean, in general, it's a, for them, a great business model, except that this is what our whole health system sort of operates on. Uh, so in general, I, that means as that happens, in order to stay at trying to like, just not, just to even make our salary and keep the doors open, you have to see a certain amount of people. Right. Like you, mm -hmm. you have to see a certain volume. And unfortunately, where I was at, the business owners were very good at keeping expenses low um, and living a life on the on the ownership side of things to make sure that we didn't have to see a lot of people and they didn't have to stress us out. Like they didn't have to worry about billing high and whatnot. So anyway, so as people came, started to just notice, like I, I didn't think that I was seeing that many people in terms in context of my career were like in a day, like a full day would be 12 people. Uh, which oh, as I say that. Wait, yeah. wait, what? Oh my gosh. No, okay. but like in, in, yeah, in context, that's like, like nothing. Like my first job, I see somewhere between 16 to 20. And I've had other, other jobs where like every day, a perfect day was 16. So like 12 in context didn't seem like much. So I thought when I started this job, I'm like, oh, it's not that many. Like I can, I can do this. Um, but I just realized that about four to five patients within the day, I, I realized my paperwork is getting slow where I couldn't think as much. And I just kept thinking like I was lazy. Like how do other people do this? There was this book called The Power of Full Engagement. I can't remember who wrote it, but anyway, uh, Bill Hartman had recommended it to me at one point. And it just, I didn't understand the concept of energy. So that was like the first obstacle I realized is like, I kept thinking, well, there's eight hours in a day, like all other PTs are doing this. But then once I realized, oh, like at four to five patients, uh, I was done. Because like, I love doing this. 
and I get up every morning and for about 45 minutes to an hour, like I study or I read or I watch YouTube videos or I ask mentors or I go over old notes. And I try to get like, just, you know, from the, was it James Clear, the atomic uh, habits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Book where he's talking about like that 1% better. So just like in the morning, if you can just get like 1% better, but then you start to realize like, if you're trying to get better with every patient, like that requires a lot of energy. So like every session is a learning opportunity for myself, but at about five patients, I was done. Mm-hmm. I just realized I, I was done. Like not mm-hmm. like I was there and I had to, I had to, sh- everyone is showing up for themselves, right? They've gone to their doctor's office. They're coming to PT. They're doing everything I'm asking them to do. They're paying quite a bit of money. And mm-hmm. we're not really getting a lot of that money necessarily, but they're having to pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I don't know how I can keep doing this. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't tell if I, cause I, I want to get better, but I couldn't tell if I was not getting better at my craft because either I was too tired. Mm-hmm. And then the story comes to my second obstacle, which was like, uh, like I, I, I love my coworkers and there's, and especially the people at my last company I was with, there's a lot of people that I would, I would send my family to go see, but as I, but I don't expect them to necessarily see movement or health and performance the same way that I do. Like that's, that's fine. I don't expect them to, but as I'm trying to get 1% better every day, if we're having to share patients because we have so many, cause we have to see so many. So for sharing patients, and then I see that they're spending, you know, the next session or two doing things that I would perceive as interference with what mm-hmm. I was trying to work on them with. Mm-hmm. Um, it became difficult to tell if the person's like sort of plateau with care, like they weren't particularly getting any better, if that was because I wasn't if there were concepts I was missing or if there were, if there was interference from their mm-hmm. previous sessions before they came back. Mm. So I, d- I just didn't know how to solve those two things without I, sort of being the only chef in the kitchen. I mean, that's really big. I mean, there's two things that I want that I think is important to highlight. And I feel like people miss this is that mm-hmm. is, you know, you mentioned that, and I think this is true of high achievers, because you had mentioned that, like, you started to feel like it was you, like, mm-hmm. I'm not disciplined mm-hmm. enough. This is, this must be my fault. I'm not disciplined enough. And I think that we internalize that and we don't look at the bigger picture and realize there's way more here at play. And especially you, you talked about energy and it's funny. I have the sticker right here. Everything is energy. And yeah. I look at it often. Right. And I think that when we're talking about business, specifically in business building, people will say all the time, oh yeah, my model works, my model works, but they totally take for granted the amount of effort and energy it takes to acquire a new client, fulfill on a new client. And and all of that takes so much effort that we're like, yeah, it's just going to happen. No, no, no. It adds up. It adds up. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it's, I just think about, you know, the I mean, like when I went to go buy our first thing of like merch, right? Like or merchandise, my logo on it. And it was like mm-hmm. this huge catalog. And I was like, I'm just flipping through. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. Oh, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. My wife is like, well, are you sure you like you want? I'm like, I have so many other things <laughs> that my energy requires. Yes, yes, yes. And the, to make 
Yeah, just to make decisions that I wasn't planning on making, the decision-making process requires so much energy. So true, and people don't realize that, decision yeah. fatigue, right? Your clients have this too. Yeah, it's so like good. offering too many options to the client. Whereas like, I and again, like I didn't really understand that until more recently. When it's like, if people reach out and they're like, how much, you know, if they're to be like, how much is it to work with you? You know, and, and it really, and that's another thing that sort of sucks in the, in the healthcare realm, especially in network is people call and they go, how much is it per visit for me to come work with you? And we're like, I mean, this is always the case, even out of network is sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's like, well, we're going to build the insurance and then we don't actually know what they're going to like bill back or what they're going to allow. So the amount, that, so that's one of the other things with this business is like, I didn't want people coming in worrying while they're on the table, while I'm trying to talk them through some weird breathing exercise or foot sense, you know, whatever it is, or we're talking about pain and I don't want them thinking about how much is a session going to cost me, right? Like that's, they're not really engaged and I just didn't, um, you know, I heard, and this is something I heard Sean, and actually I to- talked with him on the phone about it. That was the first conversation we ever had was about insurance actually was with Sean Estroga from Amp, Amp Performance and Rehab. Is I, I was, he was telling me like his thought process behind it. And I was like, yeah, I just like, I don't want people on the table wondering, geez, I wonder what my bill is going to look like after this. You know, even if it's going to be a worst case scenario, I want them to know when they walk in how much it's going to be. So they've already committed to it. They're in there. They're in the moment. Um, And so that was just something that a lot of people like at the end of sessions, they just like they didn't know they didn't already know how much it was going to cost them. So they couldn't even commit to like how much energy and time in their schedule like they were going to be able to do. So it was just it was those those those, like three things were were the issues in terms of showing up for people. Um, and the other one was like being able to show up myself. So like, I realized I didn't have enough, if I didn't have enough energy for my patients and clients, I also, and on the other hand, if reimbursement rates were so low, I realized the more money that I spent on my own learning and getting help for myself, the better outcomes I was getting. Yeah. Um, like I've, I've made probably the least amount of money I've made in a while this year, just starting a new business, right. Just like getting everything going. And yeah, I spent more money on continuing education this year, but every time I go to do something or learn something, it's an immediate feedback of like, Oh, you know, you, you, sometimes it would be like when you get tired, you know, at the end of sessions and, and you're busy at, you know, it's the 12th person of the days and they're like, okay, you know, you know, thanks. That's helpful. You know, I guess. Uh, and then if you're like, Hey, do you, you know, you have appointment scheduled for next week? They're like, Oh, I'll call later. And I'm like, they're not going to call later. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they do, but like, I mean, statistically the chance of them call if they're not, as opposed to now people, you know, get off the table or get done with their session. I don't bring it up. They have their schedules open. They're like, when's our next one? Yes. 
so you're, you're bringing up two things or three things. Cause I, I also want to circle back on the other thing too, that you talked about. And it goes back to energy in the sense of like, mm-hmm. there has to be an even energy exchange. I saw this in the gym all the time is that the client, the patient, they're investing thousands of dollars. Like it is an investment for them. But then when the provider doesn't get, but then the provider doesn't see that same investment and they're barely paying their bills because they're getting paid, you know, $20 or $30. $30 or $15 in some cases, right? But the, you know, that is a mismatch in terms of energy distribution. And then people aren't, aren't happy with that type of people aren't happy. Therefore the patient care suffers, but when you can really provide an immediate response or some, you know, some type of quick win, like this is the other thing too, is that, you know, People, people just need the buy-in. They need the win for the buy-in to the proof that shows them that their investment of time is worth it, mm-hmm. right? They don't need, they don't need to have their ACL repaired in two minutes. They need to know that, oh, I'm moving the dial. I'm getting 1% better every single day. And then the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. They just need to have trust that the process, the process they're about to enter is helpful, is, is yes. the ideal yes. process. Yeah. Yes. 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 So good. And, and there's also going to be a compounding effect and, and Mm. it it is happening for you as the person who's reinvesting in your skills, reinvesting in how in, in your business growth. Sure. You're going to have moments of like more investment before you get to the exponential output, but Mm. then it'll come. Right. Yeah. Right. It'll come. Right. And you can, and that's one of the, I guess it's, I mean, that's where I sort of noticed it, you know, I know we're sort of talking about like, you know, where I'm showing up with people, but at least I don't, I don't, this principle of the exponential growth of reinvesting, like just, it, it applies to everything, right? It's like Fibonacci circle, basically. It's like, you know, one plus one is two and two plus one is three. And then, you know, two plus three, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden the, the next point. jump is this giant, right? It's yes. just big. And it's like, and sometimes that even comes with, but that comes with people, the person's rehab is like, there's people that I've been, you know, some people I've been seeing for a while. And it's like these little changes, little changes, little changes, little change. And all of a sudden they've got all the pieces. And now in one session, you sort of put it all together. Yeah. And then they go, whoa, you know, um, which is what I tried to do with which is like, you're trying to make something sexy. That's not with like my, you know, my free like PDF that I give to, you know, clients or, or patients is like, it's basically like the top three skills. They can get those skills down. The exponential growth comes after it, but it's like, how do you, but it's like, you're always saying, it's like, how do we get, how do you make, you know, step, you know, step Z is awesome, but like you have to get people excited about, about step, step a B. yes yeah step a step b step c yes because step c step d might be like what gets them really excited but they have to they have to you have to somewhat you have to communicate with them which is another which i guess to be honest is another thing which is an energy thing but a little bit of but also but also also time in this case we're being able to communicate with them and that's the other thing too is 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 communication and having, like, I'm, I guess I'm personally okay with, because I'm, I have more control over the situation. Cause I take a lot of pictures, a lot of videos of patients and I have them 
I discuss with them either on the phone and through email, and then I give them things to sign off that are very clear as to like, I'm only going, I'm going to use these so you and I can discuss, or if you're okay with it, if, if you're all right in certain instances, like privately sharing these videos or pictures with my peers and my mentors so I can get feedback. So like, I know you're in the room with me, but you're not just seeing me, you're seeing my network. Mm, so, so powerful, right? And yeah. honestly, the network, for me at least, is the network, the network is what m- helps me feel confident in delivering mm-hmm. on my promises, meaning that I know, A, that the process works. And I also know that if I ever get stuck or I'm fit with it or I'm, or I'm met with a challenging case, that my network is vast enough that I could get the support I needed to fulfill on that hard case. And, and, and when it does, when you're able to fulfill on that hard case, like, like last week I had somebody working with for a while and I've spoken to a number of different people and like, and you know, I was going back and forth. I'm like drawing pictures and trying to come up with these concepts and practicing like on my wife and other people. She came in and she, we got this like great response. Like we're, she's coming for like hand stuff. And by the end of the session, not only was her like hand numbness gone, but like for the first time in years, she could turn her head to like look onto the freeway to merge without pain. And she like texted me and she's like, whoa, that's crazy. And like, I got so amped. Like I was so pumped. I was like, I was like, babe, we're going out to dinner tonight. Like I'm just, <laughs> we did it. Yeah. It was like, it was just like one of those, like just a concept that, that becomes, and I guess there's another thing that you couldn't with an in-network situation is, is it can't be as fluid mm-hmm. because oh, there, yeah. there are like bureaucratic and policy liability reasons why you know, there's so much extra paperwork and things that like, I can't really just like share people's pictures with other professional. Cause like, I'll have everyone on their intake paperwork. Like I'm going over this. I'm like, I feel this is so important if we can do pictures and videos, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want this, I want that discussion to happen before they even walk in the door. Um, so it was, but you know, people already, you, you know, c- coming in and and that, that wasn't really a part of the sequence there. So, so now it's like being able to build my own workflow so that technology is part of it mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, draw on their pictures and, and discuss with them, like what it is that I see, or just send them like a text message, especially now with Apple has the, the, like, uh, you know, record your screen while yeah, you talk and do I, it. I know. Isn't that so cool? I love that. Like now, I, yeah, now I just what take videos of people and like, you don't have to do slow motion video. You can literally just with your thumb just slide through frame by frame and just be like, like, look, remember that measurement we took and that hurt when I did this? Like, look at you squat, boom, right there. There it is. Look at you shift, you know, mm-hmm. look at, so your, cool. look where your back's doing right there. And then they're like, oh, bought in, you know? Yes. Um, so there's that. So that's, that's who I am. So I show up for. <laughs> that's amazing. How did you get into physical therapy? Um... Yeah, it's not like it's not a particularly like complicated story. I I had always wanted to do it since I was 17. Mm. Um my my mom is uh my mom has post polio syndrome. So I don't know if people so like everyone is well not everyone. So in, so anyway, she had polio as a kid. She must have been like one of the last people because she's quite mm. young for it. Um 
I'm still not, I think she had some other illness and she was like one of the last kids to be like in the Shriners hospital where they used to like leave the kids there and like the parents would just leave because they thought that that, yeah, because they thought that every time the kids cried when the parents came to visit and they leave, they thought they were doing trauma to the kid mm. rather than realizing that, you know, the, the family should be there all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is what this happens now, which is why they have like the Ronald McDonald's houses like next to the like hospitals and stuff. So anyway, I think that she was, I don't know what else she was sick with, but she ended up contracting polio as a child. Um, so yeah, and then she used to be an occupational therapist. So before she had to retire from that because of, cause she had, cause of post polio syndrome. So, so basically polio, it's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to get into it is, is there was, um, there's a few things that, that just sort of always intrigued me. Um, one was like sort of sports and athletics about just why, cause I would go from Maine, we'd go. So I'll sort of bring this back to my mom, but like we would go to like AAU tournaments and us being up, up in Maine, it was like, you know, we go down to Florida or we go to, you know, we went to Florida a lot, you know, like Virginia, stuff like that. And it was just like, and I always sort of wondered even in high school, like why I could work out, like I worked out a lot, like I ran a lot, I played a lot of basketball and like, why were there some kids that did nothing they would smoke weed drink stuff (laughs) and like like and they would come they would go into a weight room or go out into a basketball court or go on a soccer field or whatever and they're unreal like they're just good yeah and I would just I was so baffled by it because if the prince if the the principal that in the general public and even physical therapy you know, this is, this is, this is a true principle. This, this isn't untrue. It's just one variable is the overload principle, right? Is, is progressive overload. So starting on one thing, and then as you gradually add, you know, in this case, you know, as we sort of understand it is adding a little bit more weight, you know, to get bigger muscles, but this like idea that bigger muscles equals better performance, like it's, it's not true. And you, and they could see it on the field because I was working on this all the time. And yet, and not only that, but like, I didn't know about the nutrition or the recovery or energy. Like, I don't know about any of this. I was like, why do I plateau with my workouts? Why do I get hurt when everyone else isn't? So I just was always like, this doesn't make, there has to be other things involved and I don't understand what they are. And that was almost more curious to me than actual, like being good at a sport. I just didn't understand how that was possible. So then I go to someone like my mom who has, so polio, what the polio virus does um, is, is, it, is it goes and it, it attacks, it eats basically the point at which the nerves connect to the muscle. So, <sighs> there, so the connection, the, the nerve to muscle connection is eaten by the polio virus, okay. oh, which, which is sort of, yeah. So what'll happen is when they get... So unlike a stroke or a brain injury where you'll have like, you'll have this sort of patterned measurable, like sort of, uh, like it makes sense. It's like, it's like uh, where they have nerve weakness. A polio is more like Dalmatian spots. They have these random areas. Of infection. 
Yeah, of just like weakness and the and the people like way back in the day, like in the early 1900s, where they had if they got to their um, hopefully I'm saying the right nerve, the phrenic nerve that goes to their diaphragm. That's why they're in the iron lung, right? Because they oh. couldn't. It basically was like the first version of like a um, of a ventilator, basically. Mm. So so essentially, what what happens is though is is a lot of polio patients, and I was just reading a book about this recently, but is anyway they'll have they'll have the sort of recover, like their strength sort of comes back and they're like somewhat normal and they're good. And they might spend their whole life being good. Post polio syndrome is like decades later, for whatever reason, their body starts reverting back to the point at which they were first infected with polio. Like whatever compensations the body is able to do, it goes back. So they think they're getting polio again, but they're not actually, they're just going back to like what they were like when they had polio. The neural pathway. Correct. Whatever it is, whether it's, because obviously the, the nerves, so what they used to think that it was a, is, I don't know, this is my own opinion, but is that the original theory was when people recovered, it was like the nerves locally, like you know, let's say someone lost hand strength, it was like the nerves, like sort of, so if we had sort of got a death here, like nerves from here and nerves from there would sort of branch out and do extra work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, but, you know, they, they've, they've been doing, you know, they've done a lot of, um, you know, but that, that means there'd have to be like a change in the brain as well. So, and as well as the spinal cord for that matter. So it's like, for whatever reason, it's just, it's very odd. It's somewhat predictable. As people go back to post-polio, it's like this weakness comes back again. So the issue is with people that have these sort of neurologic issues is they have seemingly this, this principle, I don't know if it is a principle, but it's called like neurologic fatigue. Meaning if you were to go and do some, like say you go for a hike and you're tired, Mm-hmm. And you give yourself a, you know, a day, an easier day, an easier workout recovery the next day, get in a pool or just go for an easy walk. Like you feel better. People with like neurologic weakness, if they get neurologic fatigue, which is basically any fatigue. So like whatever, would they get fatigued? Like they will be like bedridden for days. Like they can't really move. And they're in usually typically like a lot of pain as well. So. Dang. Yeah. So it's like, so this, I, this, so if the one thing that we're taught in sort of PT school and as personal trainers is this idea of progressive overload. And that's like the only sort of principle you walk away with. It does not apply with people with neurologic weakness. Like, I mean, it does, it, it does, but it doesn't, you don't know where to start them because if you're, because if the idea is you have to make people fatigued, then therefore, if you apply that to someone with post-polio syndrome or MS or often stroke patients, they won't be able to train the next day, which is an issue. If you need them to be doing something every day to get better at skill, they need to get 1% better, just like you and I do, but you've overloaded them, fatigued them so much to the point where their body can't do anything. Okay. This is okay. 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 So can we just unpack this for one second? Okay. Yeah, for sure. What, who are the people that fall into this category? You started to mention like polio, MS, like who are the people that fall into this category? And there's, and what about the, there's also like, I'm going to botch this word. So can you fix this for me? Is the root, it's the, the overdoms, like the starts with an R where they, um, delayed onset, but it's muscle soreness. Yeah. But it goes too far. 
Yeah. So it's, it's basic, it's essentially that, right. Okay. But it's like, what's so, the word I'm looking for? Room, room. I think, I think, I mean, I think you're looking for like delayed onset muscle soreness, like, inter, or like, like it would be, um, it's harder than R. Oh, like you're, you're talking about like extremely start getting like muscle breakdown. Yeah. Is that what or, you're talking about? They, they can't like people in my gym yeah. would get sued for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you're, you're, I, for whatever, cause this was like something that, uh, I don't mean to throw CrossFit under the bus, but they got, they got sued for this many, many times. I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. CrossFit um, got sued for this all that it's like Rombards or, yep. oh my gosh. Rab, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, that's it. Rabdo, rab, rab. Anyway, uh, anyway, anyway. So I, who are the, it'll come to us. We'll, so we'll hit. Yeah, so it's so so it's similar, but it's like in this case, like it's like the the nervous system itself cannot produce enough action for the muscles to reach that point. Mm-hmm. So there's a breaking point before the muscles break down. Because when the muscles break down, then it's it's very very bad because it can be like life threatening. Because you start getting these proteins that are breaking down, getting into the bloodstream, and starts to like clog up your your kidneys. Like that's 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 an issue. Um, mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 okay yeah all like right that. So, you're, you're, yeah so like your kidneys and liver start to like find like that that's sort of that that crossfit muscle breakdown thing so like in this case though is like they and the danger with the use of thing is like and, and this is somewhat true is like potentially with post polio syndrome fortunately my, my mom hasn't had this but it obviously it's sort of similar to ms in that case where like is if you start to get weaker, like you overwork it like too much, then it, the, the risk that people are afraid of is if you get too much neurologic fatigue is that you never actually fully like you, I I hate using this, this, this analogy, um, just personally, because that's something I need to unpack, but there's a certain politician that, that literally believes in a thing called the battery theory, meaning that like, you only have so much uh, life, like mm. energy. Mm-hmm. And once mm-hmm. you run, mm-hmm. and the more active you are, the faster you die, which is what? not true. That is insane. But are we surprised? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if you just Google battery theory politician, you'll get your answer. But anyway. <laughs> Okay. That is great. That is crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so no, so I'm going to use the battery analogy. Well, let's say we're talking about like, cause for the most part, people, I think, I think we also know how a, like a laptop and cell phone battery work. If it's, if it overcharges too much, it start like the actual highest potential charge of the battery can have starts to drop, mm-hmm. right? It's like the more it works, like the potential drops. That's what sort of the theory is for people that have too much neurologic weakness. Okay. So it's like, so you've got this situation where you've got people. So like people can work out too much, whether if they had, they don't have a neurologic issue and, and to your other questions, like who else is involved? So it's be strokes, MS, Parkinson's, post-polio, um, like brain injuries, um, I mean, it's like, I mean, just, just like any other type of weird neurologic, it can even be an autoimmune disorder. I was like about if, to ask you, could it be auto, like, does autoimmune fall into this? Yeah. This is where you see like, like 
again, be very careful with this diagnosis when I say this. So this is for educational purposes. This is for education. Is yeah. For <laughs> so when I, when I say like words like fibromyalgia, there are people that are heavily, I worked in hospital systems where that was heavily overdiagnosed. Mm. They could not there. I myself was not the right person at the right time for them. And no one in the community was the right person at the right time for those people. Cause they had very, they had, so fibromyalgia would be sort of this like widespread body aches and pains and fatigue, but it's like literally like someone can come and just like touch you like this, like just the swipe. And it's like on these like 13 points of your body and it like sends them through the roof. This isn't like, oh, my knee hurts and my foot hurts and my neck hurts all on the left side. It's like, I see that all the time. That's not, it's not fibromyalgia. It's a lot of things, but it's not fibromyalgia. Right? It's so, like the catchphrase. It's like sciatica. You get like low back pain and everyone's yeah. like, oh, you got sciatica. You got sciatica. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, where do you feel? Oh, in your back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's Okay. <laughs> but it's at this point now it's like just sort of like it's like oh, i just like okay we're gonna we'll leave that if that's how you if that's the label you've given it then therefore i'll i'll let you keep the word if that's what the word means to you have you had anything go down your leg no okay so you picture sciatica being in your back i don't care what you want to call it. <laughs> you want to call it schizotica i don't care um so so with so like so yeah so an autoimmune type stuff it'd be a similar thing. Like you, because you're going to put your body into this sort of heightened state of inflammatory markers get increased, right? When you go to like work out hard, which is needs to happen because that, that is the sign that you're creating, you know, sort of the, we want to call it like micro trauma. You're causing stress to the body. You're using energy and you now need to have a recovery. Right. So but the threshold for people with these neurologic things, the energy that they can output is so much lower. So how do you, like for some people, potentially you could elevate maybe, but we don't know But the theory was that if you tried to do this, you tried to progressive overload, you ran the risk of their battery potential falling every time. So people, Right. So like, so that's a lit because that does. Well, that's the thing though, is like with diseases like post-polio, they don't really know because no one's doing research on it anymore because it was basically eradicated. So everyone's like, why spend money on grants and research to do this what when do you know? hopefully in the next 20 years, no one has polio in the world. And that's not true. It's coming back. There's already coming back in African countries, and now there's been a case in Japan, um, I think in Britain and the UK. Um, and then now we're going to potentially start to see it more that people don't want to get vaccines. Um, so is this somebody that has lived with someone who has these diseases that could potentially be eradicated? Like, I don't think people realize how bad polio is. <laughs> Like it's, it's, um, yes, I don't think they realize just how bad it is. Uh, so yeah, so, so it's one of those things where I was like, I don't know, right? So, like, my mom, her whole life is basically like had no answers 
in terms of what, and this is someone that grew up riding bikes and she's always like, she's never been able to run ever. So she's always like, she had like, like a lot of people have dreams where they fly, but she's never been able to run because she never formed a hip socket as a kid. So like she has dreams about running. Oh my gosh. As opposed to the rest of us like fly, which is really, really common. Um, so it's, so it's, it's just like, it was, it wasn't so much that I was like, it wasn't, that I was like seeking answers like for my mom or anything, but like, I just, I wanted to get into like, to be honest, I didn't even know this was a profession, like the whole strength coach and performance coach thing. Like if I had known that existed, but growing up in small town, Maine, like that wasn't really around me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like to be if I had known about that and seen it like if I had run into people like that that's probably what I would have been doing um but and then I was like I'm gonna get an athletic training and like my guidance counselor and some PTs were like no like you can go down that road later if you want but like in terms of like your like lifestyle think about what you want with your life you know it's like Mm -hmm. and I was like no okay I do want to go into PT and I just never I mean, what I thought it was when I went into it was something totally different than what it turned out it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it turned out to be a way more beautiful thing than I could have ever thought it was. Um, but, and then I always thought I wanted to work with athletes and then I just, just realized I just, watching people just like go through their journeys and like, for me personally, studying athletes mm-hmm. helps me understand the really beat up people. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, for a couple of reasons. One is like in PT school, you go and you like, you sort of learn what, not really. Like, you don't really, <laughs> I don't really see movement that way anymore of like how I learned yeah. in PT school. Right. But like, mm-hmm. you sort of go in and you have this like, you, you get a, like a little, little dose of what normal is. And then you talk about diseases, mm-hmm. but you don't really know what normal is normal mm-hmm. yeah so the only way to study normal is to study sports medicine and to study training mm-hmm. so like i'll make a lot of posts and then like and a lot of my like peer group and mentors are all people that like work with high level athletes but it's because they have to, they have to understand what healthy is to a high degree so they can sort of bring that person back to like performance high performance bring them back to healthy Mm-hmm. right but if i'm dealing with someone that can only be this healthy yeah then like so, I gotta like below the bar yeah i i don't know what this is so like how do i bring someone up here if i don't know what it is yeah. so like studying athletes for me i find to be really really helpful which is sort of why my company's name is performance therapy institute because it's like studying performance just helps me better understand the boundary in that case. Yeah. And then when you start telling people, like you start giving them examples of what athletes are that have never been an athlete, they appreciate the fact that you think of them as an athlete. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, here's the thing I'm broken. He's not giving me examples based on other broken people. He's giving me examples <laughs> based on like, you know, Tim Lincecum when he was, you know, at his highest pitching for the, you know, the San Francisco giants or whatever. You know, he's, he's telling me I'm, you know, I'm closer to having a foot like LeBron's, you know, if you ever see Mm -hmm. pictures of LeBron's foot and stuff, um, rather than, you know, this other broken person in the hospital, you know, not saying that just not saying that I like you're, 
life's ending when you're, but if you're the broken person in the hospital, you still want analogies based on, you know, you, you, you want someone to see hope for you and, and, and to see you where you can go as opposed to being like, eh, you know, yeah, the belief in possibility, right? People think you know, people underestimate how powerful it is when, you know, you get to borrow belief from someone else, meaning that some you might not feel in that moment like, oh, I could, I'm never going to be able to perform at that level. But when someone says that it's possible or shows that they believe in you to be possible, like that is so it's, powerful. Yeah, I thought it was going to like, I tried, I didn't, it was actually like feedback since I started this business. There was this woman who's had like, oh, just, she had a knee replacement situation that went very, 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 very bad. Uh, but the fact that she was like, the Olympics were going on, it was the winter Olympics. And she, and we were talking about getting up and down from a chair, like as if she was getting in and out of a cut, like a, like a running cut, planting her foot and going the other direction she couldn't really use one of her legs. So she had to use the other leg as if she was getting into a cut, coming out of a cut, same principle. So as I was sort of describing it to that way, then she started watching, uh, oh, skiing, downhill skiing. And she's watching them go in and out of their turns. She's like, oh, that's what they're doing. Like, I never mm -hmm. used that analogy. She's like, oh, I just started watching them, how they lean over that side, get their hip and their knees sort of lined up in that. And then they just come out of the cut. I'm like, yeah. And then like, come back. She's like, oh yeah, this is easy. Cause I just watched like, you know, I was watching old films of Lindsay Vaughn do it or something. I'm like, oh, okay. No. <laughs> it's literally, it's the same thing. Just yeah. at a way higher, you know, just different levels of magnitude really. So, but. It's amazing. It's amazing. So. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's like once it's, it doesn't feel like I'm not treating athletes. It's the same principles. So it's like, there's never any, so it doesn't really make any sense. I know there's like a prestige of working with professional athletes, but there's also, I don't know, it's the same exact thing, which is sort of why I, I wanted to apply these principles. I don't know if you needed to go or anything, but. No, no, um, no, I don't, no. Um, is to the, to the gamers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is, I wanna talk about this. Let's, let's segue. So. And, and I, I'm very much an outsider looking in with, with this gaming industry situation. Um, meaning like, I'm like, it's something I've always been curious in, even though like, I'm not a competitive gamer myself. And I was really very much hoping to like immerse myself into it in the local college. And unfortunately, actually, I didn't even tell you this, the coordinator I was working with at Huston University with their esports program recently left for another position. So I've got to like reintroduce myself to, I was supposed to be doing a, um, like a, like a media info talk um, to the local, to the local news uh, at Husson tomorrow, but now I don't even know if they have coordinators. So I don't even think it's happening. Mm. Um, it's worth following okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm just, I'm just, for whatever reason, I've always been sort of curious about, like, I grew up playing video games. I love video games when I was chronically, ill myself and I had chronic low back pain myself I was like the only thing I could do was essentially at that point without feeling sick or anything was play video games um so I played like a lot of call of duty at that point and then mm -hmm. then I found out it was a way for me to stay in contact I mean like 
let's face it, picking up the phone and talking to your guy friends. <laughs> I mean, I think it's hard for women. Like it's, I know, I, you know, it's hard for women too, but like, so like, like, I don't like pick up a, like I do, there's a few friends, there's a few guy friends I pick up and I catch up with. And, mm-hmm. but like, it's just so much easier to just be like, Hey, you want to hop on, hop on some war zone or call of duty, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, you talk for two hours. So I have a buddy of mine that's like, you know, and so I, and then I, you know, you just see the different ages and, and things that, you know, video games can bring together as, as well as the toxicity part of it. But I, I know that the, the gaming community is actively trying to stop that. Um, mm, so funny because my husband plays and he's like, I can't play with the teenagers. They're so mean to me. They're so mean. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and I didn't realize this too. I didn't realize how many, how many women were in competitive gaming but they don't, I think I might've messaged you about this is they like, I went on Reddit to go find out more about like women playing in, in esports Cause I mean, esports is kind of cool where it's sort of like chess, but then I looked into chess and realized that's sort of messed up too. Um, but, but for the most part at the moment, like in competitive gaming, especially in the collegiate level, there's actually a fairly high ratio of women competing at the collegiate level in esports. And they compete with men. Like there's no separate division. In fact, in the United States, their uh, esports is not considered a sport. So it actually doesn't fall. On, it doesn't even follow under Title IX or anything anyway. So like that means it's basically, they're essentially considered clubs. Okay, interesting. Uh, so there's no, so it basically makes it the Wild West meaning there is no NCAA regulation. So there's some cool parts to it, but there's definitely some things that can go wrong very fast, which I think is why the toxicity part exists um, because schools aren't, they're getting a lot of money from tuition from kids coming in, um, but there's they're not required to have like this whole, like these high qualifications to have a, a coach or a coordinator run the program. So like basically okay. anyone can come do it. Uh, and they, it sounds like many times I've looked into it are not, they're not qualified to be, to be managing, you know, 60 young people at one time uh, and coordinating, mm-hmm. you know, so if things go wrong or the season's downturning, instead of this having to be a young person to growing into adulthood, like many sports are, it, it turns into a very high stress, something that is not a positive transition. Okay. Um, so, so there's that. So the other part though, is there's no regulation in terms of like, and this the other thing is, 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 is people think in the gaming world is that everyone takes that sort of question mark posture or they look like, uh-huh. yes. That's what like, like this, thinks. the hunched over and the, yeah. 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 So that's like, what I think. That's what's yeah. depicted in the thing. Like we, so we see it all, all over the time, all over the place. It, and that's, I mean, that's what I thought myself. And then you go, but if you like, so when I, I'd go to Hassan, I, I just, I just wanted to go shadow. The kids were cool with it. The coordinator was cool with it. And I wouldn't watch, like at first I was like, this is boring. Cause they really don't move. Like, cause they're playing at such a high level for a couple of reasons, but they, they, they physically don't move because they're playing so fast that they're literally just like doing this. Their hands are just like barely still. Cause yeah, like they're, they're moving, they're playing 200 to 400 action moves per minute. So to give it context, 
the recreational gamer, like if I were to go play, I make like 40 moves a minute. They're making 200 to 400. Oh. Yeah. And so what they do is depending on the game that they're playing is like they're so it, the the clicks on the keyboards and the mouse isn't like they're moving because the the more expensive the hardware they're using, the less it actually moves. Mm -hmm. So they can make those moves faster. Mm -hmm. So they're just they're not doing much. It doesn't look like much, but they're doing a lot of calculations and they're reacting very fast, much faster than I mean 200 400 moves, meaning like. Like if they're aiming at something, like I might just like keep it there and then go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going. Uh, like I'm also I'm also curious about the intensity of you know when someone's at that level of performance with that type of like non movement, what the impact is in their breath, in their breathing, in their stress response. Because I think of me when I'm hyper focused like that, yeah. I'll definitely have moments throughout my day where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm literally holding my breath right now. I need to breathe. Well, and so that's where it's a, as I was hoping to do some research at Husson, because right now in terms of the literature that I found, because the literature is like brand spanking new, like there's literally journals coming out, right? They're making the journals now. And so what I've been finding is that, um, well, they keep doing research where they like take people's heart rate and blood pressure before they start playing. And then they take it after. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't care about before and after. I care about right about now. Endurance. Yeah. <laughs> I care about when they're quietly arrest, when they're not about to train. And then mm -hmm. I want to compare that to when they're under stress. I maybe that's changed, but at the moment it doesn't seem like any I, I don't I don't know why, but that's been the case. So Same. I was hoping to find that out. Um, but when watching them, it really looks like they're like holding their breath, especially when mm -hmm. games get faster. Like they're yeah. they're and and I would say half of them are not in that question mark or C-shaped position. I might even say more than half of them do not take that shape. What do they is feel the, like? Um, so a lot of them, like, so for, from the side, some, a lot of them will be, because they have these like really nice chairs and everything. So they'll actually be sort of like, like sort tucked. Of like this. Yeah, chin tucked. The monitor will actually be somewhat lower than I'd probably like them. So they're like, they're like this. Mm. Mm -hmm. It feels awful just doing that, <laughs> which closes off your airway and it actually yeah. slows your eyesight down because it, it it takes away your fast vision, your ambient vision, your peripheral vision, which is how we see things like, what was that? You know, oh, so uh -huh. like how we sort of, it draws our attention there as mm -hmm. opposed to our, it's like sort of like that's our 120 frames per second, like slow or 240 frames per second, like slow-mo video on our phone. Mm -hmm. And then like right in front is like our 30 frames per second. Very I see. Clear. So who designed the setup for them? Well, is that a loaded question? <laughs> so I don't, no one really has, but this is where, this is the issue I think that is currently in the rehab and training world of gaming. So there's three people that I know of at the moment who are, who, to their credit, they're, they're smart. They have similar, I mean, they're, they're smart individuals, but I don't think any of them have ever had like an actual like mentor in terms of like biomechanics or performance or any, and they don't seem to have a, they don't seem to have a network of what it means to be a rehab or, or performance specialist in an organization. 
Um, so from what I've gathered, because uh, a lot of them have done podcasts or they've written blogs about themselves. So I'll just try to go and understand, like, how did they get into it? Um, so the, it seems like the guy in the United States who's first done it, and I'm just talking about the United States, like other parts of the world are seem they've been like uh, a lot of like professional football or soccer organizations are actually bought, have created esports organizations. And so oh. they're, I think, I don't know what they're doing. So I, I'm only speaking in terms of what I found in the United States so far. Again, it's not considered a sport. It's the wild, wild rest, west. Anyone can do anything. Crazy. So there's no filter. So in this case, like if you were to go work for a professional sports team in traditional sports, say like the NFL or something, there's, it's not, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, oh, you're good or smart. Like there, you have to like, there's a certain amount of networking that you have to do, not just for the sake of, oh, it's who, you know, who, you know, someone who knows someone you're getting vetted, right? Not only by your skill set, but your personality, because they don't want toxicity in their organization. Yes. Because everyone from the top down wins Super Bowls, right? Top down, bottom up. Like the equipment managers, everyone is a part of the team. You have someone that doesn't operate well there, it does not go well for the most yeah. part. You know, maybe the 90s Bulls were the one you know, <laughs> yeah. with that situation. Anyway, so like you're being, so you're being vetted on you and your skill set and your ability to communicate with the organization and the players. So right now in gaming, that doesn't exist. Yeah. So I think in the, in the training and rehab like realm, uh, what it sounds like the sort of the, the, the three sort of top companies where people have done is, is they did realize they have, a, they had a passion for gaming mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and they did like working out. Um, so it sounds like the first person uh, that's sort of been in the business for a while, like back in like 2015 or 16, would go to gaming events before they turned into the giant monstrosities of events that they are now. Mm-hmm. And he basically went and pitched it to all of the organization owners, like at these arenas. And one person said yes, and that sort of opened the door for him to other people because everyone else want, wanted to copy the other successful organizations. So mm. like to his credit relentless selling confidence in himself showed up for himself. Like, I, I love that he did it. I love that mm-hmm. he opened the door and that, and he did this stuff. There's another woman that, that teamed up with him is she was basically a new grad in PT school, got into gaming at that point and started like writing articles based on like entry, entry level physical therapy concepts. Mm-hmm. So as I've, and then there's one other individual who's, who started another company and has, has gone down that route and he's, he's still sort of by himself. Um, and they all sort of done that same thing. Like they're practicing the same concepts. I know this sounds bad about PT school and everything else. It's like, well, don't you learn how to be PT in PT school? And it's like, mm. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, it's like, do you really know how to drive that well when you first get your license? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like someone sort of hands you the keys and you're like, okay, well, you seem to be good enough that you won't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Or you seem to, you know, pass of whatever the exam would be that you won't kill someone maybe. Um, so it's kind of like what it means to get your P, your doctoral degree at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You have, you, you, you have 
um, a basic understanding of the key concepts to continue learning. It's really how it should be seen. Not that, oh, you've reached a terminal degree, you have a doctoral degree, you know everything there is to know about physical therapy. Heck no, you don't know anything. It doesn't seem like I knew anything at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. So anyway, so that's sort of, so there's, there's no mentors, there's no peer groups for these individuals to sort of bounce ideas off and be held accountable to. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of gone in, they've gone into these organizations in this industry and in gaming in which has had there, there's no, there's no background in any of these individuals or these organizations to sort of filter out what is helpful and not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they sort of have carved this niche, which is again, like I applaud them for doing it, but it's gotten to a point where it's difficult to not look away mm-hmm. and to just ignore. Um, especially given that there's going to be a lot of money every year that's grow- this is already over a billion dollar industry and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year worldwide wow. the wow. united states is getting very big um it's very big uh much bigger than than i thought that it was uh i mean like they're packing giant arenas standing room and they're having, uh, there's a tournament called the International. It's usually in Vegas, I think, but it'll be in different parts of the, of the, uh, of the world. And they'll have it in the States. And the pot at this point is upwards of 25 to $30 million, like the winner. Wow. So you're talking big money. Wow. Big money. Yeah. Talking big investors, you know, mm-hmm. talking Red Bull, um, you know, you're talking different car companies, you're talking large Chinese companies. You know, you, wow. Yeah. So, so the issue is like, there's a lot of people throwing a lot of money at it. And then there's at the moment, there's just like, so there's people sort of coming in and then, and this is, a, I don't, I don't have, again, I don't have a problem with this. I, as something I'm thinking about doing later, um, is that these other PTs and, and strength coaches for these organizations, again, they're like right out of school and stuff and they have quite a few affiliations. Um, mm-hmm. They're affiliates for different products. Again, I'm cool with that. But it's like a lot of the content and stuff they're putting out, like just the products in general, like I don't particularly like, I don't think they're particularly all that helpful. And it, I think it, it just, with this being such a baby, such an infant thing mm-hmm. to start just putting in all this this other outside sourcing mm-hmm. it just it just it just seems muddied already like it wasn't like that when baseball started and hockey training <laughs> started and foot you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it started it got to build and we got to build all of this literature and people got to talk and we got to mm-hmm. and then you got to start putting money in it mm-hmm. yeah. to sort of like have this thing and then you start boop, like we're gonna start making it corporate already Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be in there. It's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But it's but I, I think there needs there just needs to be the and I don't see anyone else providing the principles that are in traditional sports or in like in healthcare that we we've been talking about this whole time in gaming. So that's that's what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cool. I mean, this is I can't wait. Like this is just like 
so exciting. Like I can just see all the, all of the potential and support and help that this business needs that you're going to get to be part of, or, or this, um, this movement needs that you're going to get to be a part of. Well, it's cause I mean, so many kids are like, I mean, they're having to retire at like 25 is the, is the average retirement age for like professional players. And, and some of it is like, and again, some of it's like what we've been talking about this energy thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they just, there's this idea that you need to just play the game for 12 hours a day. And in the professional ranks they're they finally are starting to not do that. They're starting to get down like five or so, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's still like, you know, it's, it's, it, it would, it would be like, I mean, NFL combine training centers are usually doing active work for about six hours a day, mm-hmm. but a big chunk of their day is nutrition, mm-hmm. rehab and, you know, mental health time and stuff like that. So right. it's like being able to say like, Hey, to be better at the game, there's a, there's a threshold. And once you go over that threshold of five or six hours, like you need to fill your time with high energy recovering mm-hmm. actions. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah. So I think, you know, and I, I still need to immerse myself more. So, cause people in this industry can kind of sniff out BS. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're not a gamer and you're there to just sort of like be someone trying to collect on that money aspects, like they can, they're not dumb. people. Yeah. People can sense that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's sort of where, where I'm at with, with the gaming aspect is trying to create some sort of type of, you know, I just want, these people that have passion for, for video games, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's like anything. There's a, you know, there's a payoff. There's, there's things, you know, with sport, you can do it too much and it takes away your health and, mm-hmm. you know, video games can do the same, but, you know, to have people like be burnt out and have type two diabetes or have a lot of these other health issues that are, you know, because if you're burning out and you have health issues at 25, when the rest of the sporting world is hitting their peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And they deserve to have support too, even if it's not, you know, because that's what lights them up. Yeah. Like if that's what makes you excited and that's part of the community you're in, you know, and that's sort of the one thing that irked me the most was it's just like an example of hearing their uh, esports research network had a, um, it's like this international group, mostly academics. Um, but they had like an expert panel. I know I went on a rant about this on Instagram at one point, but where they had like a one one of these people who is the PT for one of the top level professional teams, and they hired like a strength coach. And so anyway, he was like, "Oh, I don't really, I don't." Know. He wasn't like even valuing valuing himself. Where they was like, he's like, "Oh, like I don't really treat injuries." Um, usually we try to do prevention stuff with ergonomics and so they don't actually have to. And I'm like, you know, they give rewards out to athletic trainers for having players not get hurt. Mm. But <laughs> yeah. like the rehab and training staff are graded on who didn't get hurt, not like <laughs> how the how well they <laughs> yeah, how will they rehab them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's like, I don't know why he's going, it's like talking himself out of a job when it's like, dude, that's literally your number one priority is to like not have them get hurt. So it's like, he didn't quite understand his role in the organization. Right. And then on top of it, they hired a, a strength, you know, a trainer. And he was like, yeah, actually I've been having to treat more like 
back and knee issues since we got a trainer. He goes, but I think it's because it's because they've been like deadlifting more and they're getting back pain. And he goes, but that's normal. You know, I think that. But like, but you could 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 you imagine like for like oh, I'm up here, everyone hates them. I know maybe not because Tom Brady's not here anymore. But like New England Patriots, could you imagine like? getting like uh like one of the dante hightower or something one of the linebackers like going to the athletic trainer and going dude ever since we got this new strength coach like my back's been killing me when i go to practice <laughs> that's normal <laughs> and then yeah and then you go to like and you tell bill bill belichick that right and they're like they wouldn't even get to bill belichick he'd be like <laughs> thanks See ya. <laughs> yeah, probably don't don't ask for don't ask for a referral. Yeah, oh don't ask for reference. But like to hear someone say that online, recorded. I know it's crazy. And like he just doesn't understand. But anyway, so that's what I got for gaming. It's amazing. Okay, so I want to be mindful and respectful of your time. So, for those of you who want to go deeper, connect with you, what are some of the best places I can send them? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, definitely like my uh, Instagram page where I put a lot of stuff on there. Um, and, uh, the handle, which is, I think is in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's probably the, the easiest place to, to DM me and, and communicate there. Um, I like to put my favorite stuff on TikTok, but the messaging situation is sort of <laughs> odd there. So yeah, it is. It Instagram's the best place. Yeah. 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 So that, that's probably the easiest place to sort of connect, uh, you know, comment, DM, all that stuff there. Love it. And we'll make sure we link all that up. So Cameron, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. You are brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Beverly. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.